0: Uh, Molly, do you consider yourself a super freak? Sometimes. <laughs> in what in what regards? I'm a freak about cheese. A <laughs> super freak about cheese. Okay. Uh, no, absolutely not. I am not a super freak. You're not? I'm a regular freak.
1: You're uh, you're just okay. Yeah. I'm a,
0: I'm a a normie freak. That's fine. Yeah.
1: Not I mean the thing about super freaks there's not that many of them on on the planet
0: or else they wouldn't be super freaks. Yeah, and we
1: wouldn't we simply wouldn't be able to deal.
0: Yeah, you need a you need a few exceptional freaks to uh you know set the set the the the, the far ends, the parameters. Have they ever uh, Have they discovered a freak beyond super freak? The ultra freak?
1: The ultra freak, the mega freak? Uh, I was going to say, have they ever used Super Freak as a needle drop in a, uh, uh, what, what are the mutants? X-Men. In an X-Men movie? But like, you can't really do that. That song is so deeply inappropriate.
0: You, I you guess can't, so. You can't but it's clean kind that of, song up. We'll talk, we'll talk about it more, but it's kind of become like a cartoon song.
1: It has, because it sounds like a cartoon.
0: It does sound like a cartoon. He sounds like a cartoon in it. Uh, he sounds she like said
1: that I'm an all time favorite. Uh, he, sounds,
0: he sounds like a little lord. He he does, or he kind of sounds like he should be voicing. Like if they ever made a cartoon, uh, like a full length animated movie about the wolf from the uh, Looney Tunes cartoons that mm. like pounds the table and hits himself with a hammer because yeah. he can't stop whistling at Red Hot Riding, riding Hood. Mm. I feel like Rick James could have brought that energy, that energy I to the vocal performance.
1: Damn, we'll never, we'll,
0: we'll never, never know. know. We'll never know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shall we get into it? Yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to and introducing a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on lead vocals, it's Rick James. Yes, we're talking about the 1980s number one spunk super freak who managed to fit three lifetimes worth of decadence and depravity into one life cut tragically short. And today, we'll give it to you, baby, from his book, Glow, the autobiography of Rick James, by Rick James and David Ritz. Hey. Hey. What wow. up, Molly? How Hello. are you doing? It's been a while since we've done one of these.
1: It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. it uh, since I've been. That's, a, <laughs> that's stained, right? Yeah, canceled. Mm. What
0: canceled? Right? Weren't they being uh, jackasses on Twitter recently?
1: Oh god! Oh, is it trapped?
0: Is it trapped? Yes, it's trapped. Yeah, the guy from Trapped was wanna... was was wording was lipping off on Twitter, and the rest of the guys from Trapped had to fire him.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of wild wildness going on on TL with uh, the alt rock stars. Yeah, wearing, and then
0: wearing... Eve, Eve Six guy coming out as a like a, a socialist. I don't know if he really is or if he's just like uh, trying trying to find some eve six clout in uh, an online community
1: so i mean listen if he if he comes out as a democratic socialist on twitter it's only a matter of time before he starts getting into petty fights with people <laughs> yes before he starts trying fine. to cancel people through their tiktoks he wa- if he wants to put his uh, tender heart in a blender what h- why are we to stop him
0: <laughs> uh so uh yeah I, I guess 2019 is the uh year we move solidly into doing these uh Semi regularly rather than uh, what
1: year do you think it is? Oh,
0: goddamn, you're right, 2020. <laughs> 20, I'm
1: like, I definitely don't think we were super regular in 2019, but
0: 2020 is the year that we've moved into doing these semi regularly as opposed to uh bi weekly, but yeah. uh, that's okay because we kn- you just knew we had to do it to them, so fit one more in before the end of the year.
1: Oh, yeah, we so, won't we're not gonna leave, we people won't leave hanging.
0: you hanging, yeah, no. So, it is uh, it is currently December 29th.
1: 2020. 2020.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're going to fit in a little Super Freak before we get out of here. Yes. Uh, so, should we get right into uh, to Richard James?
1: You keep saying Richard James. That Rick, Rick is not his name. It's not anywhere in his name.
0: Well, I guess we're going to learn about that, His right? name
1: is James Ambrose Johnson, Jr. That's a good name. Yeah.
0: Ambrose.
1: The, the Rick was earned, not... <laughs> uh, he, he was made, not born. So, it's
0: a title like Sir? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You moved to Toronto, and someone calls you Oh my God,
0: is he a Toronto funk guy? We'll we'll get into this. Let's start with... uh, Yeah,
1: thoughts and feelings. uh,
0: Let's start with uh, thoughts and feelings. Molly, what did you think or know about Rick James before going into this?
1: I knew a bit. I knew knew some songs, especially Super Freak, uh, and I knew his reputation uh, filtered through the insanely popular Dave Chappelle sketch. Yes.
0: I'm Rick James, bitch. (laughs)
1: Draw yourself. Uh, which also, you know, being someone who either... I'm not sure if I was allowed to access the, the television station at that time or like, you know... Was the
0: parental blocker still on Comedy the, Central in 2001? Uh, I don't or know. I guess it would be like 2003, 2004.
1: But I think it's so. It's maybe people with strict parents can relate is that you hear these kind of, you know, viral, pre, pre-viral popular bits Uh, like second or third hand. And so like I knew something like I'm Rick James bitch is funny, but I don't know why, (laughs) but I know like I know it's a thing. Yes. And I actually just watched the sketch for the first time today.
0: What did you think?
1: Well, now reading Rick's story, it actually kind of made me sad. I didn't realize that he was in it. He as his like older self and the biographer in uh, who wrote glow or co-wrote it with Rick, Said that in you know he saw in Rick's eyes like a broken man and like I kind of saw that too like he just didn't seem with it yeah uh, and so like so
0: the question was was he in on the the Rick James bitch joke or was Chappelle was Chappelle making fun with him or making fun of him I
1: I'm sure he was putting up a good you know front or face but it, it i don't know to me no knowing what i know about his mind i'm like i feel like that probably wasn't that fun
0: for him see we're gonna say the largely the same things which is like by time you know he i came into musical consciousness he was what like a two hit he he had a two hit legacy basically mm-hmm. and was largely considered a joke and then frankly i uh i found the rick james bitch thing to be deeply annoying Annoying. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is all uh, wrapped up in, in, in feelings that I've had to process over the last fifteen years of. Um, <laughs>
1: okay, sorry. This is related. Sorry, to I don't my, mean to laugh at your uh, processing.
0: Yeah, my experience with Crunk. Uh, also, because Lil John is tied into Chappelle's show and Rick James and Charlie Murphy, and I just remember the most obnoxious people in my uh, high school uh, spending the last half of our senior year uh, communicating nothing in but Chappelle's show lines and mostly just screaming through the halls, I'm Rick James, bitch, at each other. And having seen the sketch and watched it, and I I like the Chappelle show, and I think that there are better sketches on it than this. I was like, this is one of the stupider ones on were here. Were these
1: people who were getting very excited about this comedy uh, white? Uh, yes. Because that's what I think it at least happened in Vermont of hearing of this stuff second and, and third hand is uh, that it was kind of a way for white people to like, inhabit blackness by like quoting this stuff. I mean, this is a a very like sociological, probably too woke read of it, but that that's what it it seems to be like exciting and transgressive because it has nothing to do with whiteness at all.
0: I mean, as much as I was plugged into this, if I am remembering correctly, the black students in my school had their own things that they had made up themselves that were funny and fun. To them and to others. Mm -hmm. And the white, like, you know, teal polo shirt wearing kids had I'm Rick James, bitch.
1: Teal polo shirt. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was, you know, that was like the scene. So that's how I remember. And I found it like deeply annoying. I don't know if that transferred any of my uh, opinions to Rick James. But until very recently, I, you know, having done this, I am now much more open. This podcast, I'm now much more open minded. I'm like knowing Super Freak, which is a banger. Yes. Uh I would assume that he has a bunch more of those in his back catalog that should probably could probably be reappraised.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it is weird, you know, having to open up this uh this podcast about Rick James by recognizing that both of us were f- both fed the first image of Rick James through Chappelle Show. Yeah. Uh but it's true. And yes, he had a, a pretty big catalogue. He put out a lot of music. Uh and that's I don't know it's just it's it's interesting yeah
0: I mean it, it he I mean maybe the takeaway from this is that he's like one of the maybe one of the an example of a primo artist who is a major recording figure who after what like 15 years passed his prime from like 1985 to 2000 had been reduced to like two songs in a and it and the butt of a joke
1: yeah right. Well, I mean, it's also, I would say, the reason partially for being turned into a joke is that he went to jail in the mid-90s for quite some time, longer Mm -hmm. than most celebrities go to jail. Um, And I I knew he had gone to jail, and I misremembered why. I I thought it might have been drug possession, Uh, because I knew he obviously did a lot of drugs, but it's actually for for violence against women. Uh,
0: So, content warning, this one will get dark.
1: This is going to get, it's going to be wild and zany. It's going to get dark, uh, you know, content warning for uh, sexual assault, regular assault, suicide, blah, blah, blah. Um, just heads up. Yes. But we'll try to keep it uh interesting. Yes. <laughs> it's as interesting as we possibly can. Because he does have his own side of the story that he clearly wanted to share. Mm-hmm. So alas. Uh shall we get into it?
0: Yes. I will just say one other thing I know about Rick James. Uh, yes. fantastic hair.
1: Great hair. Some of the best. Some of the best. Great uh great self-presentation. Yes. And great album throughout, covers. Yeah, too.
0: throughout the throughout the eighties. Iconic style.
1: Yeah. Uh All right, so this book exists because the writer, uh, the the person who eventually got it out in the world, David Ritz, had been writing Marvin Gaye's biography. Mm -hmm. And so he had met Rick James in the studio because Rick James and Marvin Gaye were good buds because Mm -hmm. they were both Motown guys. Uh, And he was, the writer, David Ritz, was struck by uh, Rick James's energy in the (laughs) studio. He said he had a little... Uh, a little necklace with a little cocaine spoon and was like passing around the drugs freely. And he's, uh, when the book about Marvin Gaye actually came out, Rick James hit him up and was like, you think he's got a good story? I've got a better story. Like, let's write it. (laughs) And he was like, okay. And they kind of collaborated on and off. Then Rick went to jail and he really started... Uh, thinking about his life in a book-like way, mm-hmm. and then things just kind of fell off because he sort of fell back into addictions. But it wasn't until he died, which now I'm going to struggle to remember. I think he died in 2004. Uh, yeah, he died in 2004 at the age of 56, and that's when uh, David Ritz kind of pulled his notes together and put this
0: out. So he was so Ritz was writing this over like a a long time, yeah, 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 or more, yeah, okay.
1: Uh, but he says it's all, the voice is all Rick James and he tries to keep it as true to what he said as possible. So that's so, that's the background. That's the background. And then the narrative structure of, of the book is interesting because he's writing from jail and he's telling all of his stories to a a, a a cellmate who he calls brother guru.
0: Okay. You I was know. hoping for a second it was like an epistolary uh, letter that was all written in the form of uh, prison letters. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, letters from Folsom. Because he was literally at Folsom prison. Really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's talking to this like very uh, wise uh, prison mate who... He, he like makes commentary every so often. And the main thing that brother guru talks about is like, ah, it seems that Rick, you all of your life, you've been ruled by the me monster, <laughs> AKA like a self destructive yes. ego. And Rick James keeps being like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> and then by the end is like, like, you know what? It... Points were made.
0: <laughs> I True. I, and in the end, I truly understand the me monster was me all along, all
1: along and a monster. Um, and I just want to give you a taste, because the tone of this book is really fantastic. Um, I just I think he opens kind of at his in-media res, mm-hmm. at his peak uh, in 82, when he's just super in demand and successful and touring and this stuff. Is the,
0: this is the, uh, the rarely but sometimes seen inverse rock-bottom media res. Most of the in-media yeah. reses are... Uh, at opening at somebody's low lowest and, and asking the question, you might be wondering how I got here. Yes. Uh, but this is the one that's starting at his top.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, he, he has a hit song and his manager is talking to him. He says, Europe has been calling. His manager says, Europe wants the funk. (laughs) Well, let's funk him up. I said, let's freak him out.
0: (laughs) The funk embargo has been lifted. (laughs)
1: What do you think of Germany, asked my manager. They're the biggest freaks of all.
0: <laughs> True. Uh,
1: and he meets a German woman named Greta, uh, who basically sneaks into his limo as soon as he gets off of the plane. Uh, and she's wearing a shirt in German that says fucking is fun.
0: ist <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um
1: And he plays an amazing show. And after the show, he, we find him at his hotel suite. Uh, riding Greta into the land of pure ecstatic pleasure, where nothing can stop us—not even the light of morning sunshine that creeps in our room and casts a golden glow over her voluptuous body. This German angel sent to welcome me into the womb of her funk-loving motherland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow! I mean, that, well, the A—that's great tone, but also it's very funny to hear. Rick James be like, ah, Germany, the land of funk,
1: the <laughs> <de> funky beats,
0: <laughs> De funky beats.
1: He knows they're. It's a bunch of freaks. Yes, it's a, a sober exterior, and a also a good interior.
0: section to uh to pull because it contains the contains the titular line, glow.
1: Yes, yes, drink. Um, all right, so we'll take it back. He was born James Ambrose Johnson Jr. February first, nineteen forty-eight. He's the third of eight kids in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York. He's Buffalo realness. Yes, um, his mom runs numbers for the Italian mafia. Okay, <laughs> that's that's her job. Uh, and his first taste of seeing music is seeing at a James play at a club that his mother has stopped at to pick up some numbers or drop some off.
0: Are you Are you illustrating that you don't understand that you're not quite sure what running numbers it's means? A
1: lo- I looked it up. It's like a lottery. Yeah,
0: it's like a bootleg lottery. It's
1: a lo- yeah. Okay,
0: I'm just thinking about like what being associated with the mob in Buffalo in 1948 must be. Yeah. Must have been. Well, there's Probably a, like 20 guys.
1: D- I mean, listen, there's a, there's a premium television show in there <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> waiting to be told. No, the, it sounds like the, the, the chief kind of stokers of stuff happening in Buffalo is like black people and like Italian people sometimes it gang violence yeah. against each other. Um, But he says, I saw that music made everyone happy. I saw that the music made everyone want to drink and smoke. And the drinking and smoking were all part of that other world mom was showing me.
0: Mm, So the taste early on.
1: Yes. Um, He also has his first sexual experience at the age of, he says, nine or ten with a 14-year-old girl.
0: We saw this. Who did we last see this in?
1: It happens a lot. And I'm trying to remember. Ketis. Ketis. Yes.
0: Had a very young sexual experience with a much older girl.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. A babysitter.
0: A babysitter or something like when he was like 12 or 13 and she was 20. Didn't his dad pawn him? That, 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 this yeah. Is, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. His yes. dad like pawned an a, a older girl off on him when he was like a very young teen.
1: Yes. And it was like a coming of age type of thing. Just
0: trying to, uh, you know, identify trends, identify patterns. Sure. in Some of these things.
1: Yes. Um, but he's thrilled, uh, and immediately like that becomes like an identity for him is like a guy who can like please women, even though he's like very young.
0: I mean, this was great. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. I know. I'm just thinking this is a, this is a long walk for something, but there's this movie. Are you familiar with Heavy Metal, the magazine? Mm. It was kind of like a, a French comic book. Uh, that was like all the 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 heavy metal images, wizards and barbarian women and dinosaurs and stuff like that in the seventies. They made an animated movie about it. Ralph, ba- I believe Ralph Bakshi made it, and it's a full of like little vignettes. And one of them, this chubby suburban teen, uh, played by John, voiced by John Candy, gets uh, transported into like a Viking dinosaur battle universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in the mind of like a nine-year-old boy, transformed into a Viking hero is like having all these adventures. And at one point he is just like pulled down by a a horde of Viking women who pursue proceed to like have an orgy with him. Okay. And then the voiceover that I don't remember almost anything other than this movie, other than the scenes, uh, soundtrack by Devo. Uh, but it's just the scene where this like nine year old is being, be orgied by these like Viking warrior women. And the VO in John Candy's mind just goes, I mean, this was great, but I needed to find a way to get out of (laughs) here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh no!
1: Okay, <laughs> I,
0: I know it's a long walk, but it's just okay, like yeah. that thing always comes back into my head.
1: Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's not great. I no, feel like I feel like the, the I don't know. He's he's just a kid, he's just a kid. Yeah, but he he's he's excited. <laughs> this is great. Um, and he's going to Catholic school, and he starts kind of like acting out at school, like. Sexually, basically, mm-hmm. because like he's been
0: sexually activated,
1: yeah, sexually activated. And a priest encourages him to, uh, you know, unburden himself at confession. And so he says, I told the priest that I'd been drinking wine out of the tabernacle <laughs> and thinking about putting my prick inside the nuns. Next, next thing I knew, I was kicked out of school. <laughs> Catholic hypocrisy,
0: yes, you're supposed to be able to confess. <laughs>
1: And his his he told his mom that that happened, and his mom was like, "Listen, they're going to tell you that they want to know everything, but like, you need to like keep some things on the down low, <laughs> like my job, as well, for instance." Um. So he he does also experience some uh you know like basically racist violence when he's a kid uh he moves to a predominantly white neighborhood and get his family gets like terrorized but then uh he's one of eight kids a bunch of his like older siblings get together and like beat up the white people that are calling them slurs and then from then on they're basically left alone so that's cool (laughs) yes um self-defense he he continues to be interested in music. He steals money from his mom to buy a Greyhound bus ticket to New York City to see John Coltrane play. And like, sounds cool. He's like, I want that. Like, I basically want to do that. But you know, more, mm-hmm. fun. more fun,
0: less thoughtful. <laughs>
1: Coltrane, but but yeah, less introspective.
0: Coltrane, but make it party.
1: Um, he has some interest in learning how to play music at his next school. But then he decides, uh, I was a natural born funk brother and didn't need no book learning to prove it. So he's all <laughs> self-taught.
0: He is so much funk, he does not need to know how to play instruments.
1: I mean, it's, it's true mm-hmm. <laughs> as, it, as it happened. Um, and then he's he becomes a teenager. He's like kind of... Edging toward, uh, you know, more like teen crime activity. But then he also meets this minister named Malcolm who, uh, teaches him about black pride, basically. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Yeah, I have one of the first Afros in Buffalo. I'm studying <laughs> Swahili. <laughs> like, but at the same time, like, tempted toward, you know, yeah, a darker yeah. side of life. Um, he briefly gets into heroin
0: J- at like age At the age or of or like
1: 15. God. Just because it's around and it's, you know, it's something to do.
0: Heroin around, something to do. Um,
1: of um, uh, Vietnam kicks up. He hears
0: that in order. I feel like that is a very like early days of heroin. Maybe it wasn't as powerful <laughs> or anything, where you can just like get into it for a little while. He had to kick like, it though. A heroin summer.
1: He, I mean, yeah, he, he he was into it, and then he had to go to his aunt's house because she lived in New York and she was married to a trumpeter or something, mm-hmm. and she knew she obviously knew all about that stuff, and he was like, please don't tell my mom. And she, like, locked him in a room, and he like had to, like, kick heroin for a week. Shit. Yeah. He's a child, again. Um, so, yeah, Vietnam is happening, and he hears that in order to uh, avoid getting sent there, he can join the Navy Reserve. I have no idea if this is, like, a valid thing, but at least that's what he was told at yeah. the time. And so he does that at the age of 15. So he lies about his age.
0: To enlist in the Navy Reserve to avoid getting sent there when he turns 18
1: 18? or 17. Um. But then he ditches, you know, training because he's too busy drumming in jazz combos around town. And then he uh, gets drafted because he has not been serving the way he's supposed to. And then he goes AWOL. Um, So he goes to Canada. He goes to Toronto again when he's like 16 years old. And it's in 1964. Uh, This is when he changes his name to Ricky.
0: I hate... Being this, uh, being this ignorant, were they drafting sixteen year olds?
1: I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. well, th- I think the thing was he was in the system. So yeah, of oh, the military, so he, like,
0: lied about his age.
1: So they're yeah. like, okay, well, well go. you're eighteen, yeah. and you didn't show up for
0: drills today. <laughs> so time so, to go to Vietnam.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, he goes to Canada. Vietnam has not
0: come up very much on this show. Interestingly, it
1: comes. I well, I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, like... mm-hmm. most of the people who have. Gotten to be big enough musicians to write books didn't don't have, have to a good go. Story, yeah. I feel like we've seen people get out of it in weird ways. People pretending to be like mentally ill or whatever, mm-hmm. gay. Maybe someone did that. I don't know, but this yeah. is the f- this is the first Canadian
0: defection that first we've Canadian seen. I, I just interesting noting um, his defection to Toronto because we have long theorized about uh, doing a Toronto mm-hmm. uh, music city episode of this show mostly to talk about drake and the weekend yeah Uh, shit we should we should have put put rick james into that into that canister of uh toronto soul excellence
1: yeah true um so yeah, he's he changes his name to Ricky because one of his friends who's like a hustler, he's like, Yeah, you shouldn't we're not gonna call you uh James. Let's cool. change your name from James uh James Ambrose or James uh Johnson to uh Ricky James. My cousin's <laughs> named Ricky. <laughs> so that's where he gets his he's, name. uh
0: for on the streets. Yes. I mean Ambrose though. That's kind of cool. Ambrose? Yeah. Ambrose James. I don't know. I don't know if you can be a uh, pop star in the '80s with the name Ambrose. Well, maybe if you went by just Ambrose. Ambrose single name, single name Ambrose.
1: Interesting. Um, he is getting involved in the music scene in Toronto. He's meeting people like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young. Like he's all in that mix. Again, Mm -hmm. what this reminded me of is like another person who I forgot is like a low key boomer is like Debbie Harry. Oh yeah. Because by the time she gets famous in the eighties, she's in her thirties. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with Rick James. He doesn't get famous until he, in, he's in his thirties. Yeah. And but he's like in the like hippie times yes. <laughs> as like a young
0: dude. He's he's in the mix when uh, Neil when Neil Young's first coming around.
1: Yes. And so he ends up in a band called The Minor Birds. Did you ever listen to the Minor Birds?
0: I'm sure I've heard a Minor Birds song on a I
1: don't a, think they ever released a real album. So I feel on like, like a, some kind of compilation. Anything or might have been singles or like um yeah random outtakes or, or, or demos or something um, and I think he was the only black guy in the minor Birds I think otherwise they were a white band and their manager was like you know ha- be like a cool psychedelic like pop rock band
0: alright let's see if I can find some of this on YouTube uh, it's my time with Rick James and Neil Young yeah with a love that's so strong and so fun. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like, uh, you know, it sounds like something that could be on Nuggets. Sure, yeah. Uh, I Would you be entertained to know that this YouTube video is accompanied by uh, like a slideshow of pictures of Toronto in the 60s? <laughs> no, but. Can I also lead you, read you a little copy from the description here?
1: Please, please.
0: This is what this person uh, wrote for this. Well... Ricky James Matthews had this group in 1965 bouncing around Toronto and it seems he couldn't keep guitar players. Late winter 65 bassman Bruce Palmer sees Neil Young on the street with his guitar case and suggests he joins up. Neil, the struggling folk singer, agrees and well, history is made. (laughs) Well, uh... Uh, Thank you PGH Pookie for uh, uploading this video and uh, sharing that description.
1: Yes, thank you. That's, that's what he was getting
0: into. Yeah, that's like '60s folk psychedelic. Uh, yeah,
1: rock. yeah. Um, he's also uh, expanding his sexual horizons, which I just have to have to share here. That <laughs> he says, uh, "White pussy was a new treat for me, <laughs> <laughs> and I gorged myself as much as I could." But after a while, the novelty wore off, and I stopped discriminating. <laughs> I quickly learned that good pussy, like true
0: love, isn't restricted to one group or another. Is, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> a treat. <laughs> I mean, you can fill up on sweets, but nothing is gonna beat a uh, well-balanced, finely cooked meal. Oh,
1: uh, sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. D- just uh, all food is good. Yeah, is what I would say. Most food is good. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the minor birds actually sign with Motown um, until a scorned member of Rick's posse snitches and tells them that he is AWOL, and they drop the band because they can't- Because
0: they can't find him? Well, be, because-, oh, because they, he's from Yeah, they don't want- yeah, okay, they don't wanna, he's AWOL from the army. Yeah, they I don't want a criminal. Saying like AWOL from the band.
1: No, no, he's there. Uh, and the uh, FBI, meanwhile, has been looking for him <laughs> in uh, Buffalo, so he turns himself in, and he goes to jail- for deserting and then he breaks out of jail and then they okay. catch him and send him back to jail
0: uh, a few things here uh <laughs> first of all it just surprises me that the, that i mean i don't know i guess i would have to look into this more but just the idea that they would actually be actively looking for any individual person who was a wall i mean maybe there just wasn't i mean i know buffalo is a real city but maybe it's yeah. just there's I mean, maybe mu- they'd that have that like much flags on. on IDs if you were like going back through Canada or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea that—I I mean, I—I I don't know. I don't know what it technically means that the the FBI was looking for him. Were they like knocking on doors?
1: Basically, yeah.
0: Saying like, "Have you seen James Johnson?"
1: Right. I guess the I, army needs him. I don't know how active the like people w- were that time of trying to catch deserters, yes. this, or if they this just
0: napalm's not going to drop itself, Mister Mister Johnson.
1: Yeah anyway so he's he serves his time um and he's finally released after once he goes back to jail i think he only has to do
0: another like six months but he's can he's in
1: he's locked up for a little bit yes? can i just
0: make a quick aside because i'm looking at a picture of neil young here uh mm-hmm. on the slideshow in this in this song yeah uh what a badass he's played with like everybody and he yeah. is we, i mean we should do neil young at some point but it's kind of one of those things are you where ready I'm, to like,
1: talk about trains model trains are you going to talk about high fidelity sound? <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> yes. Of course you are. Yes. Uh so those are pretty much the only things he talks about. <laughs> his book.
0: Have you read his book? Yeah. Oh, is L- it good? long
1: ago, before this podcast was even a twinkle in my eye. I mean, should we do it? Sure, why not?
0: Great. Yeah. More mo- more more pods about trains and flack.
1: Yeah, for sure. Pono.
0: Uh Pono. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I feel like also Neil Young is clearly like he's not just like good at music, but like I feel like he must be a good vibe if everyone wants to play with him. Yeah, he has just
0: a tremendous energy and and the ripple that his energy cuts across music of the 60s, 70s and 80s is, is just like all and into the 90s. I mean, my favorite Neil Young release is his live album from the tour he did where he invited Sonic Youth to be his openers. He's cool. He's cool. Also, he's cool. He's a cool dude, and I would like to talk about him more, and that's why I'm just taking this aside.
1: I feel like he's also pretty reliable that you can call him up for any uh, like charity concert or whatever to like play. Keep on rocking in the free world. Did he play it for John Kerry at a uh, fundraiser?
0: Let's take a quick.
1: A flash just came into my mind that I was like, I think he was trying John
0: Kerry to get
1: John Kerry in there,
0: Uh,
1: or maybe just maybe just anti-war. i just remember that at, at a. In the early aughts,
0: I'm not seeing any hit hits for Neil Young, John Kerry. Dang. Uh, so, I'm, but that doesn't guarantee that he didn't. Sure. Folks, if you if you can uh, track down a clip of Neil Young simping for Kerry, sure. Uh, please send it to us.
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, we uh, he he serves his time, and they eventually just cut him loose. With no need to send him to the Na- uh, to Vietnam because they're just like clearly you're a liability. We just want you out of our hair. Again,
0: it's just so funny that they want him. For failure to report for Vietnam, and mm-hmm. instead of catching him and sending him to Vietnam, they catch him and put him in jail. Well,
1: clearly he's going to cause problems. He's going
0: <laughs> like, to run away. You from don't, Vietnam. not
1: You don't want this guy fighting for your nation yeah. in Vietnam. No offense. Like I,
0: again, I might be revealing some kind of ig- deep ignorance here of not looking, not knowing specifically how the draft dodging system worked Kay. in the late '60s. But I would like to. Know. Honestly, I don't. I don't care.
1: Anyway. He 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 gets out of jail, he goes to LA where the scene is popping. He says, Stoned eyed guys were offering up free joints and stoned eyed girls were offering up free love. <laughs> So he's, he's smoking weed, he's having sex, Jim Morrison's hanging around. I mean, he this do- was great. He doses Rick with the acid for the first time. Sure. Which I feel like, you know, I know he did the Grateful Dead book as well. I do feel like it was a serious case in the late 60s of just button, button, who's got the button when people are playing with your drinks. I know. And, but, and, the, it's and that, also that the- would not be a good vibe. I think it's, I actually, oh, I think dosing people is a little rude. Man.
0: Yeah, it, especially the acid guys in the 60s because they were very, vi- it seems like they very much had the attitude of being like, I know this is good for everyone. So no, I man,
1: you're gonna love it, man. Yeah. Once so you get involved, me, man. Yeah,
0: let me take it upon myself to make sure you get involved. Because once you do, man, you're gonna be you're gonna be feeling great.
1: The only time Rick turned down drugs in this book was was I think uh David Crosby was like, Hey, like hey, welcome to L.A., I've got some clear acid for you. And he was like, no, I'm going to enjoy this pot for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Jim Morrison is just like, fuck take, you. Take it. Take the acid. Uh, if anybody would like to, just a quick recommendation, if anybody would like to to hear some truly insane facts about early acid culture, we highly recommend the Dollop two-part series Indeed. on Timothy Leary.
1: Yes. Yes, please. Um, So... Lots of his old Toronto friends are making moves in the music scene in L.A. Neil Young's in Buffalo Springfield, for example. Yes. And they're all very welcoming and kind to him, but, like, no one is asking Rick to join their bands, mm. which I think is, like...
0: Well, like, uh, just to be clear, what is his asset? Here? His he asset sings? is,
1: as a singer and band leader, I think he can rudimentarily play drums, but he's not a drummer. And I'm not even sure whether he has... He's a producer... I don't even think he's a producer at this point. So yeah, he's he's basically kind of like, why is no one asking me to be their front man? And I do think that is partially people being like, I already have my uh, band. Yeah. I'm the guy. Yes. And I think it is, he is like a black guy in a white, pretty white scene. Right. And then I think it's harder for that to become a thing in people's minds that the idea, like when he was in the minor of Birds of like a black guy fronting a white band. I don't think people were ready.
0: Yes. I mean, I guess he, I guess his relative position would be like a Jim Morrison type, trying to build himself as like a Jim Morrison type. Yeah, right. Yeah, just like a uh, a, a, a a a sexual energy to put in front of your band.
1: Right. Exactly. Which he know he knows he can do. Um. But I mean, he, I can imagine
0: being a black guy in the '60s, going to a Doors concert, and being like, "I mean, if this guy is could do it, come on." Yeah. This awful lizard man. That's
1: literally what he said. He's like, he he said, the lyrics are cool. But uh, he called the Doors weak tea, <laughs> which like.
0: <laughs> well, hey, uh, I don't know if I, I've said this specifically on the pod, but I always stand Ray Manzarek. He's a he's a a keyboard a, a rock keyboard idol. I don't really care about Jim Morrison, but um, you know, I I can put put it behind Ray. Sure.
1: Stan, anyway, stan Stan Ray Manzarek. Yes. Uh, Rick meets Jay Sebring, the oh. uh hairdresser <laughs> yes. slash ex of Sharon Tate. Yes, and. They They vibe, they get along. He gives Rick some money to basically go uh, to back to Toronto to like scout a band, so he okay. like invests in him.: Sure. Um, and he sends Rick with his girlfriend, who is a woman called Perfect. <laughs> who's like, of course, you know the most bodacious chick you could possibly imagine.
0: I mean, I just uh, like that of if she had ever taken her name because his name. Or if they got married, which I'm sure was not in the cards for them, but just Perfect James is a as a great one. <laughs> name for know. a lady.
1: It, I feel like Rick James has sex with a woman more than twice. And then he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is the one like we were really having a soul connection.
0: That's the way he talks about it. It's yeah. not just like just like discarding. It's like I fell in love every day.
1: Yeah, basically, okay.
0: which is easy to do when you're on drugs. Yes.
1: But yeah, so he goes with this woman who is. Definitely, I think, hooking up with Jay and then he starts having sex with her instead. And then as soon as he gets there, he gets arrested for a prior shoplifting incident that happened the last time that he was in Toronto. He stole suits from a clothing store and he bought, he brought the suits back to Toronto with him. (laughs) And they were again sniffing around for him. They
0: recognized the suits that he stole?
1: They recognized him and they're like, we remember because he, um, I think he left fingerprints or something like... It's an incredible amount of forensic and uh, just general police investigation yes. about the, him. The
0: police are expending a lot more energy finding uh, Rick James than I would Which, expect or or want them to. Uh,
1: I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it is it might be a racial thing if they're just like.
0: Well, I assume it's it's racially compiled, but but I mean. The Toronto police holding grudges about a few so- stolen suits for like over a year or something. See, it just seems like a tremendous mismanagement of energy.
1: I Well, I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. obviously. So he goes back to fucking jail. Yeah. And so F- Jay in L.A. is definitely like, all right, I sent this guy with a bunch of money, like a few thousand dollars, and he just like dipped. Um, but he gets out of jail and he decides he's going to sort of humble himself and he gets a staff writing job at Motown. Okay. And that's where he kind of really gets into like songcraft and producing. And he's not, you know, the head honcho by any means, but he's like. He's in the machine. He's in the machine. And he obviously Motown, they were, they were like, hey, are you wanted for anything? He's like, not right now.
0: <laughs> I'm not, a- not to harp on the ceiling thing, but I just want to put a fla- fine point on it. Sure. It just seems like it's so much fucking work to be that committed to to that petty of a thing, you know?
1: Meaning Rick James stealing? Yeah, the, the suits. Yeah.
0: That's the thing that always gets me. Not that people, uh, you know, not that the the, the cops would be, would devote outside resources to, like, petty the larceny. Or that they would, like, fo- hyper-focus on the crimes of a black person. But just that it's, the other thing I know about cops is that they're lazy. And it yeah. just seems, like, so more work than it is worth even to just be racist against rick james
1: is there a jean valjean type of relationship is it basically like one cop and he's just like i
0: will get to those suits
1: oh i get rick (laughs) jamesy that's awful that's that's terrible um
0: anyway but yes he gets out of jail goes to motown goes to motown it's a staff writer puts his
1: puts his head down starts starts working hard um (laughs) I have to share this cuz just this a brief detail that's insane is that at this time he also briefly falls into uh the uh profession of pimping <laughs> because he has a girlfriend. He says uh he's dating an ambitious chick who dug me so hard she wanted to bring me money. So he's dating a woman. I mean, I can't help it. These wo- these women just want to be my and he said it was common. He didn't name names, but he said it was common for Motown workers to also be pimping on the side. Mm. And he said he did it for a while, but he didn't have the heart for it. He thought it was a cool business.
0: His heart was not in it. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean that's one of those things where I feel like I would, you know, I want to dig deeper into like whose idea this was. Right. Yeah. It's just very hard. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but it is also like different time, different culture, different like circumstances. Sure. Things relationships work different across time and people sure it, it, I, I, who knows how these things develop, but <laughs> it's just very hard for me to imagine that, as he describes it his woman his, his, the woman he's with is like, You know what would be great just for me personally, if I started having sex with men for money and giving you all giving of you, it? yeah, giving you all of it, yes, giving you
1: all of it, zero percent uh the to to this part of the book, I would respond and say, Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> um anyway he he heads back up to la when he gets bored of being a songwriter at at motown uh he starts jamming with this guy greg reeves and they've got a little thing going on called salt and pepper (laughs) can you guess why
0: uh yes because greg reeves is a white he's a white
1: man um and then greg gets hired he he's going to um i think david crosby's house and Thinking that David Crosby is going to ask him to join uh, CSNY, yes, and instead they're like, he's like, we would love to hire Greg, <laughs> and Rick James is Do like, you have fucking his seriously number, basically,
0: what is his mailing address? <laughs> we cannot get in touch with the salt. Right, we were we're looking for the salt of this spicy duo. Uh, I mean I. I have to imagine based on David Crosby's Twitter presence that he was doing this while rolling an enormous blunt.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, yes.
0: You've seen uh, David Crosby's joint ratings on YouTube, right? Uh, or not on YouTube, on Twitter. I don't know. People will just send him pictures of joints and blunts that they've rolled uh, and be like, hey, David, longtime fan, how's this? And he'll reply back like, "Uh, like, uh, like, you know, it takes practice. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Wow! I uh, now like I want to do this. That, yeah.
1: Honestly, that'd be a good that'd be a good stretch goal for 2021. <laughs> um, so he try, again do it again
0: and call me in the morning. Try it again and call me in the right. morning. Stuff like that.
1: Um, he so yeah again he's he's in L. A. And he like kind of can't can't get over because everyone wants the salt but no one wants the pepper. Um, and he links back up with Jay Sebring mm-hmm. who's not mad.
0: <laughs> and also, I'm trying to keep the timeline straight. Not dead yet.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> he's not—he's not mad, and he's not dead. He's just disappointed. And he's not nude, and he's not even disappointed. He's honestly—I think—he was down to maybe even give Rick some more money. I think he did give Rick some more money. Just fucking
0: cash. Just having to come back and be to that, to J and be like, hey man, I was, I really was going to do the thing you said, but like this cop has been chasing me for 18 months over a suit. I stole a
1: crust of bread eight years ago and have been doing hard labor (laughs) in a weird French (laughs) island, Um, but I'm back and I'm ready to to make a change. (laughs) Uh, but Jay does invite him to a party. He says, "We just moved to a, a sweet pad. Uh, you should come oh by tonight and bring your girl. No. Whoever he was dating. Is this dating. Where going where I'm thinking I'm going? And going? uh, Rick had a terrible headache and like couldn't get out of bed. And he says he he's not he doesn't remember exactly whether it was that it was that night or the following night. But he woke up the next morning. And saw that the Tate murders had happened, the Manson murders. So he could have been at Cielo Drive. Cielo
0: Drive. Wow, that's what he says. I mean, that's one another thing where I'm, where I would like feel like I need to check sources on it, but I'll I'll buy it. That's that's insane.
1: Yeah, who's going to dispute him as well? But yeah, he's he's like obviously that is. Wow. He's the
0: uh, Seth MacFarlane not getting on the, uh, the 9-11 flight right? of, the <laughs> of the Cielo right. Drive massacre. Um,
1: the crazy thing is he calls his mom. He has a really close relationship with his mom, who's back in Buffalo. And he calls his mom, and he's like, I'm freaking out, mom. Like These murders were here, and it could have been me. And his mom was basically just like, oh, Rick, like Buffalo is so dangerous. You could have gotten murdered at any time. <laughs> oh, honey, you could get murdered anywhere. And he was like, no, mom, like they're writing messages in blood. Like, like it's real satanic shit. And she goes, oh, you said it sounds like you're smoking too much. Like you, you should lay <laughs> well, off like, the
0: weed. man." I mean, if you're if you're murdered, you're murdered. Who cares what people do with your blood afterwards?
1: That's a, that's a that's a radical uh, detachment. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate Trying to get that with it. <laughs> Um, anyway, so the, the other thing that happens is that fucking all of Rick James's friends play Woodstock without him. <laughs> oh. Like, think about that. He's been working for almost three years, like five years, five this years, point? I guess. Yeah.
0: Because that's, that's a time jump. And he's like the only
1: one who didn't go. And he's seeing like this amazing cultural moment. Right.
0: When were the LaBianca murders? 69. 69. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Yeah. At the end of the sixties. Um, and he says, I had fallen in the cracks of the two worlds of pop music, black and white, knowing that I could do both those styles with originality and skill. So he's, he's caught, caught in the middle.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like musically, Well, I mean, he was doing that like folk rock thing and then he went to Motown mm-hmm. and Motown wasn't really a, a like part of the Woodstock thing. This thing. is also
1: when Motown is kind of like not it's not really the musical center of the world anymore. Yeah. They're kind of getting, they're a little Yeah. So lost. yeah,
0: I mean I buy exactly what he's saying is that he it it seems like he's you know maybe rather than sticking with the Minor Bird style and 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 you know taking the uh the 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 Neil Young path, he then like moved from there to Motown and Motown's maybe on its decline, so mm-hmm. some yeah. like the vacillation and not and not like not that I'm blaming him, but you know, like not picking a lane and, and sticking with it is probably uh, decreasing his chances right now. Yeah, and
1: he also soon, like loves to party and <laughs> doesn't.
0: The dialectic will come together and sure. he will merge those two things. Sure, uh, but first he needs the rock.
1: But first he needs to do some drug smuggling. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he, while he's still kind of struggling to like put together this ideal band, he needs money. So he goes to New Delhi. Uh, and India. Yes, he goes to fucking India where they have pharmaceutical cocaine. <laughs> like he he literally like goes to the hotel where he's like set up to be, and the bellhop or like the lobby guy is like, "Hey, are you uh who I think you are?" And he's like, "Are you who I think you are?" And he's like, "Yeah." The only black
0: African American with an afro in two hundred miles.
1: Wild shit. Um, and he goes to Colombia as well, uh, which he describes as uh the land of sweet pussy and prime blow.
0: I mean, for Rick James, where is not the land of sweet pussy? I think
1: any- anywhere is that for him. Mm-hmm. He he will make it so. Um, but the I mean, there, he I, wrote a scene in Colombia where he's like talking to a woman who like doesn't understand a word he's saying, and like she's you know talking back to him, and they like they the mm-hmm. wires are crossed, and he says they're like coke to the gills, like having sex on a beach. Like Does it he- sounds great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it ended poorly. Although, of course, I, I
0: do. I, the, the The new Delhi thing is interesting to me because I think this is the only time I've heard a specific example of somebody traveling to India
1: to smuggle cocaine. Apparently, they had they had in ha- he got hash as well. But yeah, isn't that yeah. crazy? I
0: think
1: didn't know crazy. that that was a thing. I know, I know.
0: Well, Rick, Rick, James. I mean,
1: he would just he, he I mean, would that, have that a hollowed is, out that is, brush and stuff it with drugs.
0: That is the first time in this episode that. Smug- going to India to smuggle cocaine is the first time that I do have to admit he's Rick James, bitch.
1: Yeah, he's a super freak. Um, at one point, he he's back in the States, and uh, George Clinton has hit him up yeah. Saying, "Are you are you holding anything interesting?" And he goes, "Wait, is he talking about sure? drugs or so- or music?" Drug. Well, he's talking about drugs, and Rick is like, "Hey, can you maybe grease some wheels for me industrially?" And he's like, "Yeah, totally." And he never does, and so Rick swears revenge. <laughs>
0: which we'll get to later. I did not know that George Clinton and Rick James were nemeses.
1: Oh yeah, he's got a couple. We'll meet some other ones. Okay, great. Uh and the only musical success that he has at this time, which is basically the uh late 70 Wait, no. Late, early or mid 70s, 70s like 73? 73, 73. He has a song called My Mama that becomes a European club hit. Ooh. It's not on Spotify, you'll have to look for it on YouTube. Okay, let's
0: see. You did you did you look for this? I did. All right, Rick James, My Mama. Let's see. Oh yeah, best uh, Rick James, best My Mama, best audio, 1974.
1: Love to hear best audio.
0: Mama told me to try. She says, Son, don't you never, This actually. Never I'll let it play for a second. See so- you rock I was going to say this song is really interesting It's it, it feels like a very bridge disco song like a bridge between rock and disco like especially those like syncopated ethno- bass lines the horn parts but then it also has that like hard rock breakdown
1: yeah it almost sounds like it could be like a Creedence Clearwater revival song or something yeah, yeah.
0: well good luck Getting big or not good luck. Uh, Good job getting big in Europe. That's the first step. That's the first step. And so he goes to Europe
1: to Europe to do a little tour. Uh, The highlight of which is him ending up in Sweden, where he says uh, he meets a Swedish girl and he says, "Wow, yeah, Swedish people—they didn't have puritanical hangups like Americans." Which was proven when the Swedish girl's mother joined them in bed.
0: Are you serious?
1: He had a threesome with a Swedish chick and her mom. Wow. And then he, it was clearly well, so successful. I do successful. have to point out
0: that uh, the Swedes are Calvinists, uh, which is technically part of the Puritanical strain. So, well,
1: something something happened. Talk something about happened. super freaks.
0: It got very cold, and they needed to warm up. Maybe. And Rick James <laughs> was there.
1: Yikes! But uh, they they had such a good time that they hid his passport when it was time to leave,
0: uh, oh, causing God him. Damn it! A, that is like a fucking porno scene. It
1: is literally that. That is what porn like is. That that's what it is written as. Yeah. The hot Swedish mom and daughter yeah. who yeah, are so ca- horny for you. Oh, no, you
0: cannot find uh, your passports. You not want to come back to bed with me and my mama? Oh, my <laughs> God. That is.
1: <laughs> uh, again, I would say that this is not, I also just not a weird flex. It's just a flex.
0: I also just want to point out that, again, the name of the song that we just played from uh, Rick James is My Mama. My Mama.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So because wow, co- <laughs> that, that is among
1: it's one of the, the wildest craziest that we, that craziest sexual experiences we've read about on this podcast. uh he comes I'm home i just
0: imagining what the vibe of Sweden in the seventies was. I'm imagining fun. it's so fun, but like fairly like folksy
1: <laughs> I don't know like a hu- it's a cottage cottage core depravity
0: cottage core depravity Every-
1: it gets dark at like two p m so for the rest of the time, you're just God, we gotta smashing. Go to Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> we gotta go to Sweden. Uh, so he comes back home from Europe and he is, is at a low again. He he has the, all the musical failures that he hasn't caught on after that one song. Uh, he he's doing a lot to, of drugs. Can't
0: seem to orchestrate another uh, multi-generational threesome.
1: No. Uh, and at this point he, I should say too, he's had a, a child with one woman a few years ago uh, who he's not with. He's married another woman that I think he cheated on that woman with. And then now that wife is leaving him because she's over him treating him, or treating her the way that he's treating her. At one point, he he's talking about, oh, I had a dalliance and my wife was there. So I had to I'm not even going to say like I had to he the, the way he described having to take a shower uh, in order to remove what was on him that would reveal that he was having fun with other women besides his wife. It's just, oh, God, it's so gross. Anyway, onward.
0: I can only imagine. You can only imagine.
1: Uh, So he goes, he's at, at, on the verge of suicide. He's like, I, I have nothing. I n- have nothing to look forward to. Yes. Uh, I suck. I'm trash. Uh, but he doesn't kill himself. He moves back to Buffalo with his mom, Uh, and he finally builds the band that he's been wanting to build. He really wants a big band. It's the Stone City Band. And he finally gets everyone into a studio, starts recording music. In Fuck, Buffalo? Finally. In Buffalo. Wow. So he goes home. Very interesting. Uh, at, at the studio that they're recording in, Stephen Tyler happens to be there. This is the first time he meets Stephen Tyler in Buffalo. Uh, and Stephen Tyler gets very excited by the song You and I, mm-hmm. which I think is their first um, hit of any kind. you want to? Yes. Pull it up. <laughs>
0: Here we go, Rick James, you and I. I mean, the first thing I think about for this is that it's definitely crossed. There's always kind of like an invisible line for me from like 60s, 70s sound to mm-hmm. 70s, 80s sound. And that's on. Sure. The, this is on the other lo- side of that. Uh, yeah, I would agree. From like the My Mama thing, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Yes. And he says he's not he's conscious that he he was never into disco just mm-hmm. straight up. Like he thought it was like kind of boring. So he was always trying to think of how to, like have things that might be disco adjacent get people in the door.
0: yes I mean, it's it's funk. It's that combination of Motown and rock that is that mm-hmm. becomes that is funk,
1: yep. but just imagine now him playing this back in the studio. Steven Tyler is maybe like walking by in the hallway a, tr- a cape of
0: scarves uh, flowing behind him he sticks
1: his head in is like what is that <laughs> I don't know how Steven Tyler speaks yeah. he's from the northeast right uh, he gets he gets super stoked he whips out uh, a bag of blow and a bowie knife and dips his knife into the bag of blow <laughs> and pulls out what Rick James says is about two grams <laughs> and snorts it all and then offers some to uh, Rick James. Rick James and crew and and uh, I think just Rick. <laughs> and uh, and and they vibe. So he's like, "All right, Steven Tyler, like this." I think I got then I'm I'm in I'm
0: in, in business. Uh,
1: and he signs to Motown, so he's
0: back back in the house. at this
1: point, like keeping Motown fresh. I think, yeah. Um and He's the the music comes out, it does well. People are calling him the king of punk funk. Actually, that, I think that might have been what he called himself, and just wanted people to call him, and they okay. did. Uh. So yeah, he's he's. Now, made, what, what year is this? This is seventy-eight. Okay. Wait.
0: Seventy-eight.
1: Seventy-eight. Yeah. So great. Um, that's uh, come and get it. That's their the first album. Second album is called Bustin' Out of L Seven. <laughs> Uh, should we listen to something from that? Busting it,
0: busting out of L7? Yeah. Sure. Uh, let me find it. Very interesting to me that this is one of the first, you know, um, people we've covered who has, like, gone back to their hometown after attempting to make it big mm-hmm. uh, that then found their success there. I feel like that yeah. almost never happens.
1: Yes, Right.
0: What do we like out of Bussin' Out out of Elsa? I assume Bussin' Out, the one that they released, is both the 12 inch extended mix and instrumental. Sounds like they're they're all about it. Well, all right, you squares, it's time to see. See, now this sounds like a parliament song. Yeah. Fire up this funk (laughs) and let's have a (laughs) toe. It'll make you dance with some of everything. Yes, this is this is basically like a Parliament rip off song. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Parliament rocks. More people should rip them off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was this featured in the movie Superbad? Possibly a remix. Now, what a millennial way to relate, relate. to this game.
0: hell Show and the, the super bad. Uh, yes, this is on the super bad soundtrack. Wow,
1: I'm like I've heard that I've heard those lyrics before. <laughs> Watching Jonah Hill shuffle down the street.
0: Uh, that's a good movie.
1: I fucking love that movie. Yeah. I I I for everybody.
0: Uh, yes, but this is uh this is exactly what uh, no,
1: yeah. And so, like at this time, Rick's thing—he's like he understands that his role, it, you know, as a musician and a, a public person, is like a part, like party guy, party yes. wizard, basically. Yeah, getting everyone down, down to down to party. Yes. Uh, he also at this time he starts. You know, now that he's gotten a little. Taste of Fame, maybe some people are coming up behind him. So these he, uh, these
0: releases are doing okay, at least.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think anything is like... Nothing is like gold or like platinum, you know what I mean? But it's but like... selling it's like, enough to make a new... Selling a next, enough to make an, an impact.
0: Uh, and make another record.
1: Yes. Uh But there's someone coming up from behind, and uh Rick doesn't like him very much at
0: all. And his name is Prince. Oh, yes. Well, I've noticed... Uh, even just in my cursory glance through his discography, that that Prince and and Rick James use a lot of the same um, verbal stylings, uh, typography mm-hmm. stylings. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the the use instead of you. Well, who's who's ripping off who? Ah,
1: uh, so Prince opens for Rick for some shows.
0: Ooh, is this the classic uh, opener getting the best of the uh, the the headliner?
1: He, uh, and he's the one who expressed he's like I li- I like Rick James and I'd like to play uh you know i would like to open for him but he's standoffish he doesn't come to introduce himself the first time that they actually met was uh rick saw that they were on stage before the show started and prince was playing the drums he's like it was a a weak rhythm like it was nothing (laughs) nothing to write home about and yet everyone was crowded around him like nodding their heads like they were so into it and so there was a happened to be another drum set on stage and Rick James sat down and busted out like a m- minutes long solo, incorporating like six hundred different styles of of uh, rock and funk and et cetera to basically you know sun him. Yeah. Uh. And then he started noticing that Prince was stealing his moves on stage. Oh no! He's, he accused Prince of uh movement plagiarism. Wow. And uh, I would
0: like that. I would like to be there for the moment of the Prince Rick James drum off. Yes. That sounds great.
1: Right. Uh, and I I look because I didn't realize Prince is about a decade younger than Rick James. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when was Prince born in? Fifty eight. So a decade younger. Yeah.
1: Than. So then Rick basically wants to sit him down, and he he's like, "I'm you're stealing my moves. Please mm-hmm. stop." And Prince is like, "I'm not stealing anything that you haven't stolen from James Brown." Sure. And Rick is like totally i know what you mean but like there's definitely a few specific things that you're doing that are like my thing and <laughs> can you stop and prince is like sure and then he doesn't and then rick turns 32 he has the 32nd birthday party prince and his crew crash it and then rick says uh, i went over to his table grabbed him by the back of the hair and poured cognac down his throat <laughs> he spat it out and started crying like a baby i laughed
0: <laughs> so <laughs> this is i mean if if rick james is to uh, be believed here. This is one of the uh, only instances I've ever heard of uh, of Prince being made a punk by somebody else. Anti Prince violence. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, and then it, 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 at that point, it cuts back to him talking to Brother Guru at, in the prison, and him saying, "Listen, like, are you not, you know, eating George Clinton's lunch at this time? Like, mm-hmm. aren't you just part of a chain of? Pe- some, there's always going to be someone who's like younger and fresher and." doing what the prior generation does and tweaking it slightly. And he's like, yeah, I didn't really think of that, (laughs) but I still think he's a punk. (laughs) Uh, Rick has a brief dalliance of uh, falling in love with the Caribbean, as you do.
0: With the Caribbean or a Caribbean? The Caribbean, the whole vibe. Okay. Yes. And he puts out
1: an island album. Okay. That is, uh, it it fails. It does not do well. And his mom tells him, she's like, Rick, you got to remember where you came from. You got to remember the streets. And that's when he starts going into Buffalo by himself, like kind of disguised and just like walking like bad areas of town at night to get he in touch wa- with the streets. He walks the night. Yeah. Uh, and he puts out uh, street, so- street, songs, um, street yes. songs in 1981. And mm-hmm. this is the one that contains Super, Super Freak. Uh, And Give It To Me Baby. And Give It To Me Baby. Let
0: let us not forget he has another big song that endures. Of
1: course. I would hate to uh, participate in Give It To Me Baby Erasure. erasure.
0: Shall we listen to Super Freak? Let's do it. I need to think of this it's a song inspired by the streets the right of late time. 70s buffalo She's new York. Never I mean it's got it's got it all all the influences and then transfigured into another thing which is like new wave oops, sorry yeah new wave like 80s pop like synth focused pop pop song
1: yeah right it takes all the stuff and then it made something yeah. totally new which is, a, it is something like, that like parliament wants- could never do like yeah
0: parliament has done a lot of things but they've never done like a tight fucking pop song like this
1: and of course, this is like a studio accident that he's just like fucking around
0: and comes up with it was a, the, the perfect riff.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. You, which you, is why that is literally the only thing that happens in this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so good. You don't need anything else. I was just doing my recreation cover and I was just like looking, like considering all the things and I was like, oh, yeah, it's really just this one riff over and over for three minutes. Yeah. It's great, but his vocal performance is incredible uh, in this. Shall we listen to Give
1: It To Me Baby? Yeah, let's listen to a little Do bit. you know what
0: Give It To Me Baby is about? Um, sex, I would guess.
1: Specifically, any particular aspect of it?
0: Oh, but, uh, I, I don't want to guess. What? Uh,
1: maybe just uh, doing... Doing a little too much coke, and then your your dick doesn't work. <laughs> That's what the so song it, is, is about. So is it is it look
0: is it like he's looking into the mirror, being like, "Give it to me, make it, make it work, make it work." Yeah, yeah, give yeah. It,
1: give <laughs> it yeah right, right.
0: Give me it. Yeah, yeah. When I came home last night. I mean. Is- Even talk to me You say, I'm so crazy <laughs> Coming home intoxicated I say, I just want to love you I just want to love you, baby Yes, that's why I'm so elated Come on, girl Give it to me, baby Give it to me, uh, oh, Give it to so the the baby The horns are great I mean, this is like, these are like 80s flips of James Brown songs, basically. Right, right. With the, you know,
1: the modern sounds of everything. Yeah, the modern
0: sounds of everything. I mean, the synth sounds on Super Freak are really great. Yeah. Uh, not to go back to it, but... That stuff, that funk, that, that sweep that, yeah. yeah. that, yeah. that, yeah. that funk is stuck. Give it to me. That wom wem. Yeah. That sweep that funk is stuck. Give it to me. Give it to me. There's another give one in me. here, I really. Give like. it to me. That sweep yeah. funk is stuck. Yeah. Yeah, the sin sounds in this are great. Like, yeah, all, all this stuff is, is perfect and it does like tracking all this stuff along or his mm-hmm. entire career along really makes sense of like how it all slams together yeah. in something here. Yeah. And also street uh, street walking in buffalo with a heart full of napalm, you know?
1: <laughs> um he finally gets back his old nemesis George Clinton uh, when who who just a, a reminder he took the coke and didn't do anything for his career. Uh George booked him for his uh funk fest and Rick James and his Stone City band played immediately before George Clinton and he said, We're going to funk everyone so damn hard that there's gonna be nothing left for for, for George and that is exactly what happened. They and they did it twice <laughs> on two different nights. Um and then it's also around this time that he starts freebasing cocaine, which he <laughs> he describes it. He says, I fell, I submitted, I got on my hands and knees and sucked the the devil's glass dick.
0: Oh, God. Wow. Uh, he, That's a evocative way of saying it.
1: And I mean, this is basically a turn. He like never really, this is the definitive thing that he starts doing that like ruins his life, basically. Mm-hmm. He seems to have it kind of together-ish until For, this I'll, point. Yeah. Um. He goes to England parties uh, and sleeps through the BBC interview he's supposed to have and refuses to reschedule it because he needs to, like, keep on moving. Uh, So a British newspaper, while he's there, runs a list of the most terrible people in the world and puts Rick James at number three under Edie Amin. (laughs) For skipping a BBC interview? He didn't come to the BBC! Oh, he I can't believe the it. presenter. I can't believe you've done this. And <laughs> we <laughs> disrespected the presenter. No one says no to the BBC. Uh, he also starts it's going to battle. Somebody
0: didn't show up for Giles Collingsworth tonight at six. <laughs> His, tea at six with the bis- Giles? The tea has
1: gotten cold and the biscuits are stale. And Mr. James didn't <laughs> arrive.
0: We've been calling and calling, and he won't come. He's awful, an awful man, Oh as awful as the worst dictator of the Congo. I
1: hate Rick James. I hate him. I hate him. Uh, he also starts, he goes to battle against MTV, which has been bubbling up, mm. and as you can probably recall, they ha- had a pretty racist uh, airplay policy. Yes. They were not playing a lot of black artists, and Rick spoke out pretty strongly about that. I'm pretty sure he said... Fuck everyone at MTV, <laughs> uh, and then they did start playing Black Artists, but they started playing Little Red Corvette, mm, aka mm, his his nemesis. Uh, um, so all this is happening, and Rick James says, on a conscious level, I saw my power increasing while my subconscious saw it decreasing. Uh, I knew about certain jazz musicians who had it's lived. A
0: very interesting way to put that.
1: I know, right? It's yeah, it's your intuition being like things are. They seem like they're going well. But they're actually something, yeah, not. something's wrong. Uh, I knew about certain jazz musicians who had lived long and productive lives high on drugs. I figured I was one of them. I was different from your average addict. Uh, And then later he is describing his attitude as he's putting out his next record. He says, defiance continued to define me, even though I'm not sure what the hell I was still defiant about. (laughs) Hadn't I already proved everything that needed to be proven? Mm. Dangerous space to be in mentally. Yes, yes. and things get pretty out of control. He has already OD'd a couple of times when he's been living in Hollywood. Um, but then he OD's when he's at home in Buffalo. And is he
0: based out of Buffalo for like all of this period?
1: He's has, hopping back and forth. I think he has a place in, in LA and a place in Buffalo. And he goes wherever the party access, is. Axes. I know. I know. Just imagine like going to the finest restaurant in Buffalo. And I, you're and you're a Rick James, bitch.
0: But here's the thing. Imagine being the most famous person in Buffalo at a, at a given time.
1: He says he likes being the big fish in the small pond. That's I get that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so As he, someone
0: who has been uh, pushed out of a restaurant by Nick Lachey's posse, posse, I understand that.
1: Nick Lachey was probably one of the bigger fish in Cincinnati at yeah, that well, time. Absolutely. Yeah. That. Yeah. He was.
0: He was feeling he was a TV star.
1: Right. Uh. So yeah, he ODs in Buffalo, and he's trying to leave the hospital, and his mom comes to see him, and she's like, "You really shouldn't leave. You look like shit." And we got to get you into rehab. And then he literally like pushes her to the ground (sighs) out of the way. No,
0: that's, that's, that's the the third act turn in a movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Speaking of third act turn in a movie, who does he speak to trying to get advice from, but Ray Charles. Ah, because he understands him to be a, a recovered addict, mm-hmm. and he goes to Ray Charles's studio, and Ray's like, "Man, I don't know what to tell you. Like, uh literally, I stopped doing drugs because it was between, uh, you know, going to jail and dying, and I didn't want to do either of those <laughs> things. But, but Rick, I cut all my best songs when I was high. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's not helpful, Ray Charles. That's not helpful at all. Don't say J- he's that. He's just
0: being honest. I'm just being honest.
1: And then of of course, as he's leaving uh Ray to fiddle on his uh instruments or whatnot, probably the piano.
0: To tinkle the keys. Tinkle
1: tickle the ivories. Uh he sees Rick sees an assistant fill a mug half full of gin and half with coffee oh. before adding five heaping spoonfuls of sugar. And he asks the assistant, How many of those does he drink a day? And the assistant responds, Oh, about once every ninety minutes. <sighs> so Ray is not gin and coffee? With sugar, yeah. Gin
0: and coffee.
1: Hey, maybe maybe it's an acquired taste. Don't knock it till you try it. A gin a gin pacino. That just sounds like Al Pacino.
0: Gin. I'm, I might have to try that. Just to,
1: frappuccino. Al Pacino. Why won't gin they just pacino. make coffee? Coffee flavor. Why, why would they just make, make gin, gin flavored flavor coffee? coffee.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to try a gin and coffee just to see what what Ray Charles. We will do it and
1: we'll report back. Um, we do have both gin and coffee. coffee, in the house. So,
0: oh damn, I forgot to make more iced coffee. Go on. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: he he's really in the shit. He's putting aluminum foil on his windows to block out the light. He's living like a vampire. Um, he's thinking of suicide again. And uh, he writes, uh, "I wish my story didn't have to dwell so long on dope and the impact it had on me. I wish I could cut this section short and tell you that I'd quit for good. I wish I could report that once I saw the glow, I left the darkness behind. To say though it would be a lie. Say so though would be a lie. The goddamn pipe continued to kick my ass.
0: That is." A beautifully evocative uh, uh, sentence to I, say so it would be a lot. I the like goddamn pipe kick my ass. I
1: like that he's acknowledges, he's just like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to be like devoting this much of my story to this, but that's how much of my story is mm-hmm. devoted to this. Um, so he goes to rehab, he sees his old buddy, Steven Tyler. Yeah, so well, he's like, nice. Oh yeah, this is gonna be great. Uh, gets out of rehab, is in recovery for a while, goes back to rehab, sees Steven Tyler again. <laughs> <laughs> he, de- he describes the second time he sees him in rehab, Stephen jumps on his back and he carries him around the ward like a baby, Aww. which I don't know. Stephen Tyler seems like he's good vibes. IDK.
0: I guess it, it must be for both of those guys. Very relieving to to encounter another famous musician. In rehab, yeah, I imagine. I mean, and a guy that you've met before being like, okay, I'm not here alone. Just in my like, yeah. strata with this. Well,
1: rehab, even as a concept, I feel like wasn't even that popular amongst people until the 80s. Yeah. Right? Like, before clinic. When, yeah. Before you basically went to the sanitarium or yeah. the mental hospital or did nothing or did nothing and died. Um, He. uh, Betty Ford
0: Clinic was for drugs, right?
1: Yes. Oh, alcohol and then maybe drugs got thrown in there. But definitely alcohol first. A doctor tells Rick James that he's in danger of losing his singing voice because he's been smoking too much cocaine. Okay. And so he That's lo- a lot of cocaine. I know. He's he loses his shit. He spends a hundred thousand dollars taking a boat uh down and around the Caribbean to get that fresh sea air in his lungs. Um Meanwhile, he is trying to get free of a, his Motown contract. He, he, wants, he wants to get off there and start anew. Um, and so there's a long period of time where nothing, Rick James is coming out at all. And finally, he's released. He signs to Warner. And he has a sort of like um, come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. in the midst of one of his... Uh, relapses and recoveries and he is gets really into God and so he records a god-centric album and okay. he turns it in at Warner and they're like we did not we're not spending $875,000 a record on this. <laughs> we we signed up for party boy Rick James. What the fuck is this? <laughs> and hey he, God
0: can come to the party too. God's always invited.
1: Yeah, well, my response would have been just rewrite everything so it seems like you're having a fun party with God. Yeah.
0: Cuz why not? Or just yeah, change the uh, God to
1: a lady. Lady, yeah, a sexy exactly. Lady, a sexy lady. Uh, and he says, I, "I caved. I submitted to man, not to God. I wanted the money more than integrity." Mm. Um, he then meets uh, Tanya Hijazi. She's a seventeen-year-old girl who he originally uh, he has a gets a big crush on her, but he says, "I'm not. Um, I didn't. I couldn't take on a student." Okay. Meaning that she's like she's not like a party Hollywood girl. Like she's like a fairly innocent person. She's
0: also the same that's age as weird his oldest and daughter. Creepy. She's, I can't take on a student.
1: I know that's that's where we start getting into like, come on, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, she's the same age as his oldest daughter, also, yes. which is that I is, would say that's just simply a no. Yeah.
0: That uh, a
1: person who is right with themselves and At right least in the go head. Older
0: and, than your older daughter. A or little,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, th- this is when we start getting into, I mean, he's basically so far in the depths of uh, addiction that is clearly a mental illness yeah, yeah, that man. I don't think his judgment is sound, but like, dude. Um, and he, his mom dies of cancer, and he says, with mom gone, there was nothing to keep me from descending into the lowest level of hell. That meant orgies. That meant sadomasochism. That even meant bestiality. I was the Roman Emperor Caligula. I was the Marquis de Sade. He's admitting to bestiality. He doesn't really get into <laughs> what... He doesn't
0: expand what... on what that means? No. Wow. Yeah. What year? What years was this? this? would have been the early 90s at this point. The early 90s, yeah. Caligula, Marquis de Sade. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it takes us kind of clarity to refer to yourself as cal- uh, a Caligula. Right, yeah. I don't I think would we've say seen anybody else who has, uh, who, who has gone that far in 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 their self- self-described self-abasement
1: yes i mean i it's certainly evocative because i do think it it describes just he's not making music anymore he's not being a productive yeah the the last like
0: real rick james album comes out in 89 i Mm -hmm. think and yeah and then 2002 there's an anthology that comes out so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah um and Then we get into the story that puts him in jail. Two stories that put him in jail, actually. All right. So he he, I think the description of the sort of hellishness of his life is probably explains to a certain degree why things even got the way they did. So the story from, you know, Wikipedia is that there's a twenty-four-year-old woman. She accused Rick and Tanya of holding her hostage and torturing her over a period of like weeks, like (sighs) ten days or something. Um, including burning her with a hot crack pipe. So this is obviously horrifying. This is like some of the worst things you could possibly do to someone. Rick's story is that she was a prostitute, that she came willingly into their house, and that she was participating enthusiastically in all of the sex stuff, that there wasn't beating, that he didn't burn her with a crack pipe, and that she returned to her pimp, and he tortured her because he was upset that she did not get paid for spending mm. all this time with Rick James. Those are the two sides of the story. I have no idea what's true. Rick James is clearly out of his mind on, you know, doing freebasing at this point. So, like, who can say? Yes. All, all that matters is that at the end of this particular incident comes a woman who has been abused. Mutilated. Yeah. Uh, tortured. Yes. So, that happens... And this fucking seventeen year old girl I think she's a she maybe is a little older at this point this this girlfriend is involved, mm-hmm. which is horrifying as well um so they get they both get booked for that they uh 'cause she she goes to the police and while uh it, the the way that he describes what he said this woman was he said he she was part of the sex circus that had become my life I don't know yeah um they were out on bail for quite a while as the like case was getting yeah, worked yeah. on. So this happened in, I think 1991. And, um, in 1993, at this point, Tanya has had one, one child by Rick. She's pregnant with another. They celebrate by getting a hotel room and buying a bunch of cocaine and smoking it, which is horrifying.
0: Um, celebrate the pregnancy by doing that.
1: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Like it's insanely dark. It's yeah. insanely dark. Um, and then they have a business meeting with a woman who Rick calls M. Uh, her name is Mary Sager, and she's a music executive of some description. And the story is that um, she she left and pressed charges saying that he assaulted her, that he beat her up. The Mary Sager? Yeah. At the, mu- the at the meeting, meeting. At the business meeting in this hotel room. His story is that she came to discuss business. They got in an argument. He saw her in his adult state as a demon. He did beat her up. He, he like assaulted her and then offered her more crack. And they continued to hang out for two days. And then she said, uh, afterwards, she's like, actually, I didn't enjoy that. Um, you, please give me $2,000 and a shopping spree at, uh, in Beverly Hills or I'm going to the police. And he said, no. And so she went to the police. So now he's got two assaults of women uh, on his record. And like he's got like the torture charge alone could have sent him to jail for the rest of his life. Right. And then he negotiated that around and got three years, I think. So like, I mean, this is just it is clearly I don't know what the fuck happened, but like he's beating up women or yes. women are ending up beaten up after hanging out with him. Yes. Which is not a party. No, that's not a party. No. If your whole thing is supposed to be having fun and having a party, you didn't do it. Yes. So you
0: you have you have entered the bad zone.
1: And the way he describes it, he says, "This is what I had been looking for, living for, dying for. The single act that would let me and the world know that I had come to the end of my rope, certain proof that I was beyond any and all redemption." So he he gets it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like in a certain way he wants to uh be stopped.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he goes to jail and he, of course, so
0: what charge does he go to jail on?
1: Um, assault, like basically like assault and, uh, may, mayhem, you on, know, on for both of them. For, I think it, I think it, he ends up serving time for both of them. And I think, okay. uh, his girlfriend also ends up serving a little bit of time for the first charge for the first charge. So he goes to jail. He's immediately like, yeah, I, you know, I've been to jail before. Like, I know how it works, but like this time I'm a celebrity. So I get like great treatment.
0: Also, he hasn't been to, he went to jail on like minor charges, like 25 years. Earlier. Right.
1: Right. Um, and then he, you know, he's basically reflecting on his life and realizing how much that his ego like did destroy him mm-hmm. and that he lost sight of what he wanted out of life. And he ends the story. He says, well, I return to that darkness uh, in the words of Brother Guru, will the me monster get hold of me again? If I start to forget what Blow did to my brain, all I have to do is read the words I've written here, my own horror story, to remember the pain and suffering. I pray the Glow will be with me forever in this lifetime and the worlds that follow.
0: That's how it ends? That's
1: how it ends.
0: Uh, and then he gets out of jail. He gets out of jail. And uh, he has a few years of relative obscurity and then gets made fun of on the Chappelle show and then dies? Yeah.
1: So you can see why it's like a little bittersweet, that uh, sketch. Well, yeah, Uh, yeah,
0: it's crazy. That's a crazy one.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, all of these, any of these books with, I mean, I guess the difference is most of the books that we've read that have addiction narratives end with the person sober, healthy, and alive.
0: We haven't really read that many autobiographies of people who are dead at the time of reading.
1: Yes. Like Louis Armstrong, he died a long time ago.
0: But he actually <laughs> was around when he wrote his thing. What? He was, like, he was around when he wrote. He was
1: alive when he wrote his book, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he didn't dictate it from the grave. Uh, oh, right. But yeah, the idea that, um that this book is written after, and published after he. By somebody, who, yeah, who worked with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's clearly dark. It's, addiction is dark addiction to freebase cocaine appears to be particularly dark.
0: I mean, I guess the thing that's like doubly weird about it is that it made the addiction a joke in his like last year of life. And he
1: basically. said he yeah, the the line like cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. It's like a little like i feel like what i saw was like he wanted to be like in on the joke like mm-hmm. he wanted to participate but like cocaine is a hell of a drug it, yeah his it his, ruined his life from the inside out yes yeah
0: yeah it's and it's not great to be reduced to that level of a joke about i mean again like the things that actually sent him to jail were 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 like monstrous things but yeah. like part of a cycle of of self uh debasement and addiction that is not necessarily funny, and it is remembered largely as a joke. Yeah, yeah. Which and even that, it's like it's fucking complicated because that's not like Chappelle's fault or anything for doing that skit or like that. It's it's hard to understand how those things will be re- received. But I had any, like a
1: weird weird Bernstein effect where I thought that he, because the the drugs was the the punchline ish of those sketches is like I thought that he went to jail for drug possession yeah but he went to jail for like attacking torturing women which is like that doesn't feature in the sketch at all (laughs) i don't know it's it's weird because it's like this guy seems like the the visual and like that the mood and the attitude of like him at his best of rick james at his best is like so like fun and like funky yes but it just yeah i don't know and i mean the weirder thing is is like prince You know, his rival lasted longer and was relevant much longer and was way more successful. But he got taken down in the end by by addiction. Yeah. Although I did see on Twitter that there is a conspiracy theory that he was
0: murdered to get access to his archives. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. You know, Mm -hmm. keep the
1: eye emoji half open. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Kind of a dark you know for someone who's like who at one point was having a blast having sex with a <laughs> swedish girl and her mom
0: i mean legend it. purely for that and and also i do think that his music story is very interesting for how those like genres and musical relations track over time yeah it's, you know it's starting in a band like a psych psych rock band with neil young and then moving to be a writer at Motown and then mm-hmm. ending up being the artist of Super Freak and like seeing how all those threads connect and I think then is very interesting. being
1: sampled on a huge hip hop song. Yeah. He mentioned that uh, um, he had to sue MC Hammer to get any money from uh, mm-hmm. Can't Touch This because at, th- at that point sampling was new enough that yeah. people were like... Eh but he that's the only grammy he's also ever received was uh to be credited on a songwriter on uh, Can't, you touch, Can't this. touch Us." yeah interesting so yeah the the musical stuff is wild that he was in uh, taking part of like at least 3 decades basically three relevant decades of yeah. music um but he like never got his i feel like he was more influential than he was successful
0: yeah oh other I mean, other people got it, to he's also like kind of a uh he he he's kind of like a you know swing between these these several poles of things because you know at, at certain times he's like very actively trying to uh you know cop or, or, or replicate George Clinton's style.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing. He's always been he said from the beginning like in the 60s he was interested in being a pop musician. Mm-hmm. But like he never I mean there uh, besides the like two songs like he he was never quite like right for pop or pop music was never quite right for him. Yeah. I mean, think of now like right. Okay. So MTV, obviously racist in choosing to play the artists that they did and they didn't play Rick James's videos when he made them. Um, now, when you think of, you, you could also argue that maybe they were holding off because he was too raunchy. He was too sure. sexual. Mm-hmm. Fucking WAP, man. Like he, yeah. If you think of now the, the songs that are popular as angry as a, that who's that little man? Ben Shapiro. ben Shapiro gets about this stuff is like Ronch has become mainstream, mm-hmm. and he he that was him t- doing his best to make it that way, yeah. but it like was not in his his lifetime. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Ugh, all, a it's lot, very tragic. All of these stories are very strange. Yeah, all very all strange, of these books strange, but strangely predictable. mm Hmm. It's, well, I
1: think it just proved no no one is too smart to not get a horribly addicted to horribly addictive drugs. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, ay.
0: Well, should we move confidently into the end part of this episode? Yes, we should. All right. Well, that was the career of Rick James. Rip. Uh, last one of twenty twenty. Signing the uh, closing the book on this one. Uh, looking forward. Should we do? I kind of want to announce this here, but just because it will make us do it. Sure, I love that tactic. Opening the book now. Yes. Not just a single story, but a collection of stories. Mm. Looking forward to twenty twenty one. I think we're gonna do it. I think we're gonna finally fucking do it. Oh shit! Our pod could be your life. Yes. We are going to cover all of the bands in the uh, Michael Azarad's seminal. 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 Uh, a survey of 1980s underground and college rock, DIY punk uh, rock from the 80s, Our Band Could Be Your Life. Yes. In a 13-episode series, and we will try to hit each chapter of that book with like a different guest or some kind of different concept yeah. or different idea behind each of them. So Our Band Could Be Your Life. We're talking Minor Threat. Oh. We're talking black flag. Oh. We're talking big black. Maybe we can get Bryn back on the Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Uh our resident uh,
0: uh, Albiniologist. albiniologist noted Albiniologist, Bren neighbor. <laughs> uh, we, we're we're talking oh beat happening. That's why I had dinner. We're talking uh <laughs> uh, uh uh the minutemen.
1: Oh boy, oh boy.
0: Uh so I think Were those
1: the, the ones who jammed Econo?
0: They did jam Econo.
1: I can't wait to jam Um, uh,
0: Maybe we'll, we can call this we pod Econo because I know that Ooh. there is another podcast out there called Our Pod Could Be Your Life, and God bless s- them for starting it early. Because when we I was starting this show, my first thought for a name was Our Pod Could Be Your Life, but they already had it, and that's fair.
1: The rest is history.
0: Um, so I think that's where we're going to spend honestly, like the first quarter to half of twenty twenty one doing is mm-hmm. just hitting all these bands. Yeah. Uh and then we'll backload the uh, second half of twenty twenty one with women and minorities. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> because certainly this will be a very white uh front clear the
1: clear the seats at those tables.
0: Yes. Uh but but it's a, a There's so,
1: a girl in Beat Happening, isn't there?
0: No. Yes. Yes. And in <laughs> Sonic Youth. Yes, there is a girl in that band. Um but oh, the replacements. We'll get Felix on for the replacements. This will be great. This is so. This is going to be the first half. Hopefully, we'll be able to tackle these slightly uh, faster than one every three weeks. Because yeah, because they're just chapters. We'll get we're gonna back in the we're swing. gonna make a plan. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna ask a bunch of guests. We're gonna try to. We're, chop gonna, these we're, gonna, out.
1: Produce, we're hey, gonna we're gonna, gonna, gonna produce, man. We're gonna produce.
0: So I think that that's our our big plan for the first half. We might not like it. Might not be starting with like our first half first episode. For twenty twenty one, but we're because I did get into just it.
1: order. I, I'm looking at the Frank Zappa book that recently arrived from thriftbooks.com. I feel like we gotta get
0: get Zappa. Like, I would like to get just a, a quick zap in, just a little zap. So maybe we'll do a quick zap, yeah. Uh, starting twenty twenty one, and then while well, we set up what we want to do for We Weipotikano, yes. Um, but that's what we're looking forward to for the next year, and then from there, um, the future, uh, the unknown, the, the artist, the future who passing uh guest (laughs) Joel inski has been asking for to do for a while oh no we've
1: been asking we've been asking him (laughs) so we gotta wait we might have to say future until we can all say mask off mask off fuck it
0: mask off okay (laughs) first time the artist we will do the first time we can go to a show after the pandemic uh we will do future so we can say fuck it mask off word all right that's enough uh exit patter for this look forward to our content in 2021 look forward to our content um but until then you can follow us on twitter at mm. and intro pod or send us an email at and introducing pod at gmail.com we'll do another email clearing house maybe after zap yeah um if you have any ideas or guests or people that you would like that you could imagine for um we pod Econo, uh, the R band Cuper your life series uh, email us at and introducing pod at gmail.com mm-hmm. we will take those into account as we plot this out our SoundCloud is as always at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash. pod and please rate and review us on iTunes mm-hmm. that helps us find new audience and all as always tell a friend say uh, it's a very kinky pod the kind, kind you, you don't do home play
1: to for your mother.
0: But maybe for your uh girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. Who's interested in music. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, tell for a friend. Tell
1: friend,
0: yeah. Until then, we'll see you in twenty twenty one with more and introducing.